Bienvenidos a Crónicas de la Raza. Welcome to La Raza Chronicles. On tonight's program, we are focusing on migration and also look to music to fill our souls and give us hope to keep us moving on this long journey towards justice. We start off by talking with Marcos Cruz from the International Migrants Alliance. And we also feature some beautiful music from our local loves, our local artivists. And, and we feature an interview by Greg Landau, who walks us through Silvio Rodriguez's latest album to give us hope and fire, energy to continue pushing. Muchísimas gracias por estar con nosotros. No te lo pierdas. Stay tuned. Bienvenidos a Crónicas de la Raza. Welcome to La Raza Chronicles. I'm your host, Julieta Cusnid, and on today's program, we're going to get to speak with Marcos Cruz. He is with the International Migrants Alliance, and we're going to talk about what is pushing migrants from Central America to Los Estados Unidos and the many barriers on the way and what we can do to address injustices they encounter. Marcos, muchísimas gracias por estar aquí con nosotros. Thank you, Julieta. I'm really excited to be here. Um, and thank you so much for um, inviting me on the show. I, I really appreciate it. Marcos, why don't you start off by telling us about your personal commitment and connection to Centroamerica that has driven a lot of this work? First of all, you know, um, my own personal story, I'm a Guatemalan immigrant to this country. I, I moved to the Bay Area, to San Francisco around seven years ago. And you know, that, that really is at the center of it all, right, that I grew up in, in Central America, in Guatemala, and um, now I'm here. And, you know, when, when you move to the United States as an immigrant, well, there's uh, a lot of things happen, right? Um, your identity changes, um, your perspective on a lot of issues change. The injustice of, of American imperialism kind of uh, feels a little bit more bittersweet uh, when you're here. Uh, so in, in that sense, you know, I'm really interested in, in kind of understanding uh, why people come here so much, you know, understanding what led me to come here and the conditions that, you know, led me to, and my family to come here, but not just me, right, the, the entire community of Central Americans. So that really is at the center of, of uh, why this is important to me, right? It's, it really is the history of, of my own people and, and my own country. That's the voice of Marcos Cruz. And we are talking about what many are talking about, which is we are seeing a new way that people are taking this journey, this dangerous and long journey from Centro America. Marcos, can you talk to us a little bit about what you have read and heard and talked to people about related to these caravanas that have now... But tell us about this caravana process where people are coming to this country uh, together in caravanas. Uh, well, basically, you know, to, to kind of do the basics of migration from Central America to the United States, you know, it's mostly people that are very poor, uh, that have very little opportunities in, um, in Central America. And so they literally uh, have to walk out of the country. You know, um, these people aren't coming, you know, uh, buses or cars. Uh, a lot of the times they're walking all the way uh, to the border with Mexico. And then the few people that are able to would pay the infamous coyote, right? The, the people that would smuggle you into the Mexican border or into the U.S. border as well. And uh, it's very well known in popular culture that, that this is dangerous, right? The coyotes are dangerous. Uh, and so is the journey from Central America to the United States. Uh, there's also kind of the phenomenon of jumping tr on trains, you know, kind of like train hopping and the infamous as well, la bestia, the beast, which is what they call the train that many migrants take in Mexico that brings them closer to the United States border where many people fall because they are literally on the roof of the train. People fall and they lose their limbs or they die. And it's a, it's a very dangerous road for people. So in that context, with people that have very little resources, but when, when there's a lot of people with very little resources, people find strength in numbers and safety as well. So when we, when we think of the migrant caravan, the, the caravana migrante, what we're seeing is people banding together to, to be safer in a, in a dangerous journey that they expect to be, to be dangerous. And so it, it, it functions in that way, you know, and, and that's why we see thousands of people congregating in, in these caravans because it's, it's harder to stop them if they're all going together, but it's also harder to abuse them on the way uh, and take advantage of them if they're all together. So I would say that that is kind of the, the primary, you know, function that the caravan serves, it's security and numbers um, that people recognize. 
So Marcos, tell us a little bit about why now. We are hearing that people are preparing. Many people are on their journey already. Can you talk to us about what has been happening recently? We Some people may or may not be familiar about the natural disasters, the weather, you know, other factors that are making it so hard for, as you said, people who have very little to be able to survive in Honduras, in Guatemala, in El Salvador. Tell us about this most recent push that is the reasons why people are taking this very dangerous journey. In Central America, right, these are countries that are really unequal countries, right? There are you know, very, very poor people um, and there are very, very rich people as well. They control kind of in a, in a familiar way as in the United States, right, uh, just to, to a more uh, exaggerated, you know, kind of like a more marked inequality, right? Similar, but it's, it is more marked in Central America. So uh, this inequality really is what drives the migration from from the root, right? That 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 these countries have very little. But most recently, right, we have the COVID nineteen pandemic, and that kind of like makes everything harder for the economies in Central America, right? They are already struggling, but COVID COVID nineteen puts an extra strain on the economies of these countries. And then the two tropical storms, Eta and Iota, hit in November of last year. And it, it's kind of hard to understate how little prepared the, the governments of Central America are to deal with these crises. So when the two back-to-back storms hit, you know, people that were already struggling to make ends meet during the COVID-19 pandemic are finding now that they don't have a house anymore. They don't have crops anymore. They are not even able to farm the land that they've been farming because, uh, well, planting season is is past, but also the land is destroyed because of the strong winds, the strong rains. And so it is a very material kind of like damage that these tropical storms put on the country. And it's mostly the the people that have very little, you know, that that are the most affected. You know, these communities end up uh, having nothing that ties them anymore to the land they're living on because everything is destroyed and they are not getting any help from from their governments, whether it be in Honduras or El Salvador or, or Guatemala, uh, these governments are not able to respond to the crisis and the needs of the people. So a sizable amount of the population says, well, it's time for me to go. You know, it's time to go north. And it's a, it's an experience that is well, well known by communities in these countries, right? They know that once there is no other option that they can just try to make the journey to the United States like many others have. So that's the context right now. I think from these most recent migrant caravan, is that the conditions are so bad right now. The conditions of poverty uh, have gone in so bad because of the COVID-19 pandemic and these two storms that there simply is nothing else to do for, for many of these people but, but to come here um, and make the journey. Thank you. That's the voice of Marcos Cruz. We are talking about the many challenges that people face in their home countries, forcing them to make these difficult journeys. So, Marcos, I know you are working with an organization that is thinking through how do people support or challenge some of these policies and that have have led to the conditions in these countries that have made it so difficult for people to be able to make a life for themselves. So can you tell us about the work and the organizing that you are part of here in the United States that is connected to creating better opportunities or better processes for immigrants here in the States? You know, I, I started kind of my organizing journey in the United States at City College of San Francisco and for various reasons um, ended up meeting people from the International Migrants Alliance from the USA chapter um, because it is an, uh, an international alliance of migrant groups. And, um, you know, the sort of the points that we are trying to raise uh, at the International Migrants Alliance is that to really help alleviate this crisis of, of migration, uh, we need to work on any of the root causes, right, of, of forced migration, and also recognizing that the root causes of forced migration are very similar across different regions. You know, I, I'm always struck by the similarities in the histories between Central America and places like the Philippines, where Spanish colonization and U.S. intervention have led to millions of people to immigrate and leave the country. So we are trying to push this perspective that you know, irregular migration, as it's called, is really a byproduct of the unequal policies that the United States enforces on other countries. 
for example, Guatemala um, is is a country that has long been under the shadow of U.S. imperialism, starting with the, not starting with, but most marked by the 1954 coup um, against uh, dem- democratically elected government there in defense of banana plantations. And that history has had consequences uh, that are very strong for the country. And the ensuing civil war because of this coup is what drove the initial uh, you know, waves of migration from Guatemala to the United States. And the same history is similar in El Salvador and in the Philippines, like I just said. So um, the International Migrants Alliance is really trying to push forward a perspective of a com- common struggle between um, migrants, right? And that we are united in our oppression from the United States government. So right now, the International Migrants Alliance, uh, the USA chapter is working on the grassroots migrants agenda. And it has five points. I'll, I'll list them on, I think. So our, our migrants agenda is really to, number one, in the root cause of forced migration. Number two, to advance the rights of migrant workers, families, refugees, and displaced people. Number three is to stop the fascist state repression of migrants and advocates. Number four is legalization for all. And number five is specific to COVID-19, right, um, to include migrants in healthcare, livelihood, and services during the COVID-19 crisis. Um, so really with these... Uh, points we're trying to, you know, put a perspective out there that is not just about stopping ICE from, you know, imprisoning people that come here or stopping the deportation of people that are here already. It's about stopping people from coming here, not through violence at the border and repression, but through transforming the conditions in our countries to be better, right, to advancing the struggle for better conditions in our country so that our uh, communities aren't forced um, to leave their their land for for the United States, which ultimately is something that most people would rather avoid. You know, I think it's a common misconception that people are really aching to come here when in reality, most people would rather stay where they've lived. And so, you know, we encourage folks to to check out the grassroots migrants agenda at ima-usa.org and to uh, look us up as the International Migrants Alliance USA chapter. Thank you, Marcos, for giving more context about how people can get involved and how the actions that they take here will have a big ripple effect. I know that it is a dangerous and difficult road. Are there any resources or places where you could possibly point people to if they would like to support more around basic needs and providing support for people who are possibly on the journey to part of a caravana or they are trying to go from Central America to the U.S. and they're facing a very long and difficult journey? Yes, definitely. Um, The International Migrants Alliance has worked before with um, this group called Al Otro Lado. The stands for the other side in Spanish. And um, they do work with people that are waiting in the border to be let in or for, you know, uh, their asylum cases to move forward. And so they they help people in in the border towns or or right, you know, staying right near the border with, uh, like you said, basic needs and um, also legal support. So you can look up alotrolado.org as well, um, and they have a migrant solidarity fund that you can donate to. If you are interested in more local um, issues, you can also uh, look up the San Mateo County Coalition for Immigrant Rights, um, and they are trying to advance a campaign to stop ICE from collaborating with San Mateo County, which they still do. Uh, one of the only counties in the Bay Area that's still sending people from uh, their criminal justice system to ICE detention. So those are two organizations that you can look up. I'll mention them again, alotrolado.org, Solidarity Fund for Migrants, and the San Mateo County Coalition for Immigrant Rights for um, Advocacy Against ICE uh, in San Mateo County. So tell us, what are the real impacts of a collaboration between ICE and San Mateo County? What what are the consequences there? Well, you know, the consequences are that uh, people that are have irregular mig- migration status, they might not have legal status yet, who have served out a sentence at the San Mateo County judicial system are then transferred to ICE for deportation procedures. So it's a type of uh, double punishment almost. Uh, But more importantly, I think, is that we know the conditions of ICE detention. And under the COVID-19 crisis, sending someone to ICE detention could mean that person dying because ICE has not been uh, careful in protecting people in their custody from from the dangers of COVID-19 and infection. So and before COVID-19, you know, we already knew that ICE was not 
treating people humanely in these detention centers. So it is really about not putting people in further harm, especially if these uh, people have already served out a sentence, um, which it does happen when people do get sent from jail to ICE detention after serving a sentence. And it also is about, you know, respecting a lot of the uh, wishes from the community, right? Um, the community is overwhelmingly against collaboration with ICE, uh, not, not just in the Bay Area, but in California. And we have laws in place about collaboration with ICE. So we would like them to respect that. But for people in jail, you know, it, it is just not fair to to add an ICE detention to their sentence when, you know, they've already served um, their time. So we are in a moment of transition. Just a week ago, we had our inauguration of a new president. So many people, maybe they thought, okay, we know about, think about kids in cages. Why don't you walk us through a little bit more about some of the impacts of some of changes to immigration policy and maybe hopes for the new administration? Definitely. Uh, in this moment, I think a lot of people are looking at Biden and see what he will do. I know as of, you know, the time that we recorded this, there have been some movement. You know, he has announced moratoriums on deportations for 100 days and some other things that are good. But I'd like to focus a little bit on the consequences of Trump's policy changes as they relate to how both the Mexican, Guatemalan, Salvadorian and Honduran governments react to migration. First of all is the migrant protection policy, the MPP policy, um, or so-called remain in Mexico policy that Trump instituted, where migrants were supposed to stay in Mexico rather than coming in to the United States uh, after requesting asylum. This created a huge crisis at the border that is still ongoing because people are stuck at the border for months on end without resources, without housing, without food. And it's really a crisis created by this policy. The slightly less known crisis um, that Trump created is through the asylum cooperation agreements, uh, which have also been called or the safe country agreements. And what these agreements do are basically sort of agreements between countries that say that Guatemala, El Salvador and Honduras will try and prevent people from coming to the United States and also that they will take in people for requesting asylum instead of them coming to the United States. So what that means is that someone from Honduras migrating to the United States is supposed to seek asylum in Guatemala, which is a place that does not have resources to accommodate migrants seeking asylum and where migrants seeking asylum will probably you know, not want to stay. So this is what is happening is that the Guatemalan, Honduran and Salvadorian governments are increasingly acting as a border for the United States and Mexico. They are enforcing uh, these agreements and making sure that migrants cannot pass their countries. And we see these agreements in play just a few days ago where the Guatemalan army and the Guatemalan national police were mobilized to break up with tear gas and, you know, police repression, the migrant caravan that was on its way from Honduras. And these are 7,000 people that were stopped by the, by the army and the police and then pushed back, much like the police here pushes back against Black Lives Matter protesters in the summer. It was really quite the sight to see those pictures of the Guatemalan army repressing those migrants. And so, you know, I think those are the real consequences of the Trump administration. You know, the, the militarization of other borders not just the United States-Mexico border, but the Mexico and Guatemala border, the Guatemala-El Salvador border, the Guatemala-Honduras border, and that, you know, now we, those countries are increasingly the enforcers of U.S. immigration policy, which is not their job. Our country should be benevolent and uh, help migrants and, and understand the plight of the migrant instead of being, like I said, the enforcers of U.S. foreign policy. That's the voice of Marcos Cruz. We have been talking about the many ways that Central Americans are impacted by current immigration policies, past immigration policies, and what's happening here on the ground to address some of those deep inequities and deep injustices that we're seeing. Marcos, I know that the agenda that you all have, thinking about the immigrant alliance, um speaks probably to what you want to see from the new administration. Is there anything else that you all uh, would like to see in terms of changes? You know, I think what we would like to see, well, we would like to see the immediate release of all people from detention, uh, immediate legalization for all, 
um, with the regular uh, migration status in the United States and the dismantling of ICE and other immigration agencies that have proven to be inhumane in their treatment of migrants. And especially, we demand that children separated from their families be reunited. I think uh, these are demands that anyone should be making of Biden and the incoming administration. It is the bare minimum they can do to right the wrongs of the Trump administration and, and start b building good faith with Central American people again, because separating families is it's a crime of the highest order, and they, they should be moving fast to amend that crime. Marcos Cruz, thank you so much for giving us an update on the work that you all are doing and also what is happening on the ground in Guatemala, and along with the long, difficult journey that people are facing to try to try to enter this country and hopefully be treated with dignity, which we have, have not been seeing but hope to see in the future. Muchísimas gracias, Marcos. Thank you, Julieta.
You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. I'm Julieta Kuznid. On today's program, we are talking about migrants who are making the treacherous journey from Centroamérica to Los Estados Unidos and the many barriers and policies and how U.S. imperialist practices have pushed people out of their homes. We close that interview with the song you just heard, which is called Our Children Are Sacred. Los Niños Son Sagrados. And this song is an opportunity for people to hear from our local artists and activists. It's a song by Francisco Herrera and Diana Gameros that shares the important story of why we need to work to reunite children with their families and towards more just immigration policy. We're now going to transition to another song by a local artist and activist, Maria Jose Montijo, Majo. This song is called Huracán. And it is a, an opportunity for us to think about the ways that we can support the rebuilding. We want to send our love to people in Centroamérica as well as the Caribbean. Stay tuned, and next you'll hear Huracán. <laughs>
You just heard a song by Majo Montijo. You can find more of her music and also check out a beautiful music video for this song called Huracán on her site, which is esotericatropical.com. That's esotericatropical.com. If you'd like to donate to the rebuilding efforts in Puerto Rico, we recommend that you go to mariafund.org slash donate. And that way you can support La Colectiva Feminista en Construcción. That's the feminist collective in construction. So please check out Maria Jose's work and also go to mariafund.org. Stay tuned for más música que sana. Hi, this is Greg Landau for La Raza Chronicles, and today we're going to listen to the new project released in May by Cuban singer-songwriter Silvio Rodriguez entitled Para la Espera, For the Wait. Silvio Rodriguez represents a unique voice in Latin American music, a musician who's defied musical and poetic boundaries, creating a new path for singer-songwriters. Silvio's songs have become anthems that defy clear-cut meanings, poetic hymns that challenge the listener to follow the labyrinth of complex imagery that he weaves. In 1968, he helps form the Nueva Trova movement in Cuba, a controversial group of singer-songwriters who defied the tropes of Cuban music, exploring the idiosyncrasies of living inside a revolution. In the 1980s, after the return to democracy in many Latin American countries, after years of dictatorship, he fills stadiums with passionate crowds. This new project returns Silvio to his roots in the Nueva Trova, accompanying himself on guitar, bass, and percussion. And these songs provide an introspective look into the complex reality we're living today. While many students of literature see Silvio's songs as a Rubik's Cube, difficult to put together into concrete shape or meaning, Others love to follow the poetic path he leads us on, enjoying the imagery and scenery along the way. Silvio's music provides us a set of tools for analyzing the complex world we face, where few things are as they appear to be, and we have to use our imagination and creativity to sort out fact from fiction, and in the process understand how we figure into this larger world. This is Danzón para la Espera, and I encourage you to look on YouTube to see the video clip he made to accompany this song. In an interview, Silvio commented that this song was originally written about the Cuban Five, Cuban agents who were arrested in the United States after infiltrating Cuban exile groups that were carrying out terrorism in Cuba. While they were in jail in the U.S., Cubans patiently waited for their release. Silvio commented that this song has new meaning now during the quarantine as people are simply waiting. The lyrics say, a memory at a distance, a rhythm in a binary dance hall, an embrace that's gone, a sign of faith, a danzón for people that are alone. Danzón para la espera. Un recuerdo para la distancia Un cinquillo en un salón Binario, un abrazo que se fue, un artículo de fe y un danzón para los solitarios, un amor para decirte espero, una piel donde aprender fragancia un azul para volver un sinsonte para ser y un danzón para bailar el ansia un danzón para esperar el alba un fulgor donde empezar de cero Relámpago inicial, una gota en el cristal y una música del aguacero. Se va el danzón, 
desesperé, espero para aprender fragancia, para empezar de cero en la distancia. Se va el danzón, se va el danzón, se va el danzón cuando del monte baja un son para los y para la esperanza hay un salón binario y danza y danza para Y para la esperanza hay un salón cuando del monte baja un son. The next song we're going to hear from Silvio Rodriguez's latest project is Si Lucifer Volviera al Paraíso, What If Lucifer Returned to Paradise? This song is an existential questioning of the moral constructs of our society. He asks, what if Lucifer were pardoned by law for all the things he said and did? Instead of sulfur, he'd smell of candy and have a heart. Si Lucifer Volviera al Paraíso. Se remangó 
sombra y de fogón Y todas sus virtudes fueron vanas Y toda su verdad tribulación next song you can hear Silvio going back to the Nueva Trova roots where they began experimenting with different styles of music uh, including blues and American folk music as well as many Latin American styles. This song Conteo Atrás, Yesterday and Today My Train Left Without Me, full of people more punctual than I and I couldn't make it again. I don't want an excess of charity to start my countdown. It's not true I didn't make it. I almost caught it, but I, when I got there, it wasn't there. Ayer y hoy se fue mi tren lleno de gente más puntual y otra vez no podré llegar Lo escribo aquí como señal No quiero exceso de bondad Al hacer mi
This next song we're going to hear is called Jugábamos a Dios, We Played God. We played God with chalk, blackboard in school when I was the winner, the highest, when I was the highest, when I was the winner, the highest, when I was the winner, the highest sailing ship. We played God regardless of being happy. We jumped into the sun. No time for scars, no hours, no frills, balls, jokes, and drawings. Giants divine in the air and also with a trill. Now that he's gone, blessed time, I invite you to know, again, a winged heart, modest, worn out, who's seen you is remembered being a god in love. Jugábamos a Dios con tiza, pizarrón y escuela. Cuando era ganador, el barco de más alta vela. Jugábamos a Dios sin reparar en ser felices. Saltábamos al sol sin tiempo para cicatrices, sin horas, ni lujos, pelotas, bromas y dibujos, Thanks for joining us here on La Raza Chronicles in this exploration of Silvio Rodriguez's new record, Para La Espera. It's a timely commentary in this moment of crisis and quarantine about why we're here, an existential exploration of what we're doing on this planet at this moment. Silvio once again returns to his Nueva Trova roots, bringing very simple arrangements, uh, very simple songs with very complex meanings. So I encourage all of you to look for the videos on YouTube to explore these songs on the digital platforms. And I hope you enjoyed this. Thanks.
Welcome, immigrant children. Bienvenidos. We are deeply sorry that our tax dollars, controlled by corporate elites, drove you from your family and your homeland. We open our hearts, our arms, our nurseries, our schools, our playgrounds, our sports fields, our youth programs, our after-school programs for your healthy development for your growing minds, for your creative spirits. Welcome, children. May you find safe beds, affectionate adults to guide you, nutritious food, toys and tools to stretch your imagination. Children are born to be happy. May you fulfill your dreams.
You've been listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. If you'd like to stay up on our news, like us on Facebook at La Raza Chronicles on Facebook. If you want to hear this program or share it with a friend, you can go to soundcloud.com slash La Raza Chronicles and share it. If you have any ideas for interviews we should be doing or would like to get involved with our collective, you can email us at lajasachronicles at kpfa.org. Muchísimas gracias y buenas noches. <laughs>